Welcome to the December 12th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, and the sermon is entitled, Jesus is Lord, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. As I started as pastor here in 1982, when I first got rolling as pastor, a church member and I were talking. We were having a conversation about a preacher who had befriended me recently. And I'd come to think so much of him. He was an older, godly man who had been a pastor of a number of churches in this area. In fact, he had been interim pastor of Clifford Baptist Church for seven years uh, in the mid-70s. And his name was Irvin Booth. Uh, Many of you remember Irvin Booth. He was a great, great man of God. He was an encourager to me. Uh, He is now with the Lord, and I am so thankful that I got to know Irvin Booth, and I will see him again one day. But as this church member and I were talking about Irvin Booth, who had befriended me, uh, the church member said that it was noted Mr. Booth could often take one verse of Scripture and create an entire sermon out of one verse. And And I appreciated that in the moment it was told to me. Forty years ahead now, I looked at the Word of God, and I see so many verses that can be a whole sermon in one verse. It's very easy to find a sermon in one verse of Scripture, and in fact, I've done it many, many times from this very pulpit. But today, I want to make a sermon out of one word from one verse of Scripture. Going back to last Sunday, we talked about the personal name that God gave to His Son. His personal name was Jesus. It continues to be his personal name and shall be his personal name for all eternity. We will honor and give praise and blessing to Jesus forever and ever. Amen? It is his name. It will forever be his name. Our Savior, our Lord. Truly the sweetest name on earth. It means Savior. It means Deliverer. And that is his one given name. But as I noted last week, The Bible gives Jesus many titles attached to his one given name. Not personal names, but these titles are descriptive words as to who Jesus is. The Son of Man, the Son of God, Redeemer, Morning Star, Alpha and Omega, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Bread of Life, the Lamb of God. There are over 300 titles given to Jesus, the Son of God, throughout his word. But today I want to concentrate on one single title of the Lord Jesus in the beautiful Christmas story. And we are concentrating on the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 today, and I will again next week. But we're very familiar with the shepherds who are out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And they were common men. They were doing a common job. You will notice again, as I noted uh, as we lit a candle this morning, their names are not in the Bible. They were common enough that God didn't even see fit to have to put their names in the Bible. And yet those men knew exactly who they are uh, as they celebrate that good news still this day. But there's really nothing famous about these shepherds, common men out in the field doing their jobs. But on a very ordinary night, an angel appears to them and makes this huge life-changing statement to these men in the field. And these men stand there frozen in fear. And they're overwhelmed by the presence of this angel appearing to them. And they're shaking in their sandals as the sky lights up with the very brilliance 
and light of God. Now, logically, in this backdrop of the light of heaven, do you really think this angel had a wimpy voice? Absolutely not. With the glory of God comes the glory of the angel's voice. And I believe that voice of the angel speaking to those shepherds that night was like a trumpet piercing the night air with this good news that the angel shares. So here are the angel's words. If you'd like to open your Bible with me, please do. It's Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at three simple verses today. We'll look at the whole story next week, the whole account of the birth of Christ in Luke chapter 2. But today's three verses, verses 10 through 12. Here are the angel's words that the angel speaks to the shepherds. Of course, you know, then the sky fills up with angels, but this one solitary angel gives this news. So look at Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now I want you to go back to verse 11 once again. Verse 11 is the key verse for the day. This angel says to these nondescript shepherds standing out in the field in the night, keeping watch over their flock, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now what I want you to see in verse 11 are three titles for Jesus. In that one verse are three titles for the Lord, for, the, for Jesus, the Son of God. First of all, there is Savior, which in the Greek form is soter, and it means the deliverer. Christ, which is Christos in Greek, it means uh, deliverer or Messiah. And then Lord, and Lord in Greek is kurios or kyrios, and it means the one in complete authority. So out of those three terms of Savior, Christ, and Lord, I want us to concentrate on the one word, Lord, today. Lord. What does it mean when you call Jesus Lord? This morning, because I was getting ready to preach on these verses today and concentrate on this one word, as the deacons prayed together, the deacons always meet on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock and we pray together. And I took note of the number of times and we had about six or seven who prayed this morning. The number of times that I heard the word Lord was many, many times as the deacons prayed for our church and for our needs and for our day-to-day. -day. But the word Lord, the title Lord was used many times in our prayer time this morning. What does it mean when you call Jesus Lord? Well, we do use the term quite often. In fact, sometimes it slips off our tongue quite easily. You know, sometimes for me, for me alone, something surprises me. I go, oh, Lordy. You know, it just slips off, it slips off easily, maybe too easily. But the Greek word is kurios, kurios, meaning Lord. It has at least seven earthly meanings. Find a spot on your bulletin and take a note. You'll never remember all seven. Let me give you seven brief earthly meanings for the word Lord. 
first meaning of the word is very simple. It's just a word to address a man in Greek society in Jesus' day. To call a man Lord was the equivalent of us calling a man Sir today. It was just a term of addressing a man. The second meaning of Lord is a title given to a human being in authority. Now, in the ancient world, slavery was a common universal practice. The Bible doesn't condone it. The Bible doesn't condemn it. It's just a fact of life uh, in those days. In fact, as, as much as 20% of the entire Roman Empire were slaves. It was a very common practice. Many simply sold themselves out to have an income, to have a place to stay, to work with a family. It was a way of life. But a slave always addressed the master as kurios, Lord. The owner always had complete authority over the slave. The third meaning of the word Lord in the Greek language means one who is in command of any given situation. For example, the captain of the ship was Lord of the vessel. As the executive officer, the Lord of the ship had control over the course of the sailing, over the crew, over the passengers, over the cargo of the ship. In fact, if a ship ran into a storm or ran into trouble or was getting ready perhaps to capsize, the Lord of the ship was the only one who had the privilege of saying, let's throw the cargo out to lighten the ship so we get out of trouble here. No one else could make decisions like that in trying to save the crew and the passengers of the ship. Only the Lord of the vessel, the captain of the vessel, could do that. Likewise, the leading officer in a military unit was called the Lord of command of that unit. Soldiers obeyed his every word, the human in authority in a given situation. Here's the fourth meaning of the word Lord. Describes the person who is the owner of material property. In an ancient plantation, all of the houses, all of the land, all of the livestock, all of the money was owned by the curios, by the Lord of that plantation. Let me give you a biblical illustration here. Do you remember when Jesus asked his disciples to go loose a donkey upon which he would be riding into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday? Do you remember when Jesus sent them out to get that donkey? You don't have to turn there unless you would like to, but it's in Luke chapter 19. Verses 30 through 33. Let me read you these words. Luke 19, beginning with verse 30. Jesus said to his disciples, Go ye into the village over against you, into the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found, even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? Well, I want you to notice that it says the Lord here has need of the colt. But also, in addition to that, uh, in, in verse 33, look at that verse one more time. It says, And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? The Greek word for the owners of that donkey, the Greek word is kurios, the lord of the donkey, the owner 
of the donkey. The true word in Greek text is Lord there. The Lord of the donkey. The owner of the donkey. The one who housed that donkey, fed that donkey. So the actual Greek scripture says that they are the Lord's, the owners of that animal. In fact, the Wycliffe Bible translation does say the Lord's of the donkey in that translation. The fifth meaning of the word Lord comes from the legal system of Jesus' day. Sadly, as you know, in the ancient day, women had no legal right. They had no legal rights whatsoever. If a, if a woman had a legal or business transaction to do, she needed a male guardian with her, a husband or a brother or a male member of the family to go with her. And he was called her guardian lord, the one who had legal authority in her transaction. The sixth meaning of the word lord is given specifically of the Roman emperor himself. He had control of every member of the Roman Empire. For example, Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus made a decision that he wanted to increase his tax base, and the best way he knew to do it was to have everyone go for a census to be taken so he'd know all the residents of his kingdom. And Caesar Augustus alone, as the lord of the Roman Empire, the curios of the empire, had the right to establish a law that every family was going to move back to their home cities. And all of this movement takes place across the Roman Empire as people are moving back to their home cities for this census. And in this multitude of people moving along, here's this little family of Joseph and Mary getting ready to have a baby. And God allowed Caesar Augustus to carry out an earthly plan, which in turn was truly God's plan to get his son born in Bethlehem. But when Caesar Augustus signed that law into reality that all of the Roman Empire, every person was going to move, he signed it, Curios, the Lord of the Roman Empire. And the seventh meaning of the word Lord, you know very well. In the Old Testament, it is the primary title for the Lord God. In the New Testament, Jesus is called Lord over 740 times. It's the highest usage of the word kurios, or Lord. God is Lord over every atom and every action in his universe. Everything that we perceive forever will be under his authority and his leadership. And we know that we're headed toward the day where every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Kurios, the authority, the Savior. That doesn't mean all will be saved, but all will confess. All will come to the reality and the knowledge that Jesus is absolutely Lord and forevermore shall be. But praise God, we call him Lord today. Amen. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. And we love him. And we're grateful to bow before him in worship in these moments. So now, getting back to the Gospel of Luke. When the angel told the shepherds that Christ the Lord is born unto you, that is an amazingly packed word, Jesus the Lord. When we call Jesus our Lord, that is not a title. 
that we should take lightly. What are we saying when we say Jesus is our Lord? Well, in connection with these seven earthly definitions, let me give you five declarations that you and I make when we call Jesus our Lord. You ready? This might be where you want to get a pencil out. This is very important. When you say Jesus is Lord, you declare, number one, he is your complete authority over your life. You have given him unwavering control of your life. I no longer belong to me. I no longer am led by my own thoughts and my own desires and my own plans. I belong to him, and I am led by his thoughts and his plans and his desires for me. True for you, believer. When you call Jesus your Lord, you are surrendering to him as the complete authority of your life. It's not a light commitment, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a moment that you say, I'll belong to Jesus and I'll do this, but then the next moment I belong to myself and I'm going to do this of my own will. But rather, it's growing and understanding that you are under his control all of your life when you say, Jesus, you are my Lord. When you say, Jesus is your Lord, here's the second declaration you make. Lord, you have complete control of the course of my life. I want you to guide my journey. I want you to control my footsteps. I want you to take me where you want me to go, even in my common day whether it's a work day or a grocery day or a day that you're picking up supplies somewhere, take me where you want me to be your representative, your witness, your servant. Take me there. And may I be faithful to you in the daily course of my life that I represent you well, that I won't say or do anything that would make anyone stumble in getting to Jesus through me. Lord, you have complete control over the course of my life. Here are the reins. Here's the steering wheel. Take me where you want me to be that I might serve you. You're in complete control of my journey. In these days, right up to the gate of heaven and then forevermore, you're in complete control of my journey. You're Lord of my life and you're Lord of my eternal home. When you say Jesus is your Lord, here's the third thing you declare. You're telling him that he has complete ownership of all your earthly possessions. He owns everything we have. You're telling him that every stitch of clothing, every morsel of food, every, everything that you have, the house you live in, the car you drive, all your stuff, all your money, every material thing is under his lordship and leadership because he owns it all. Do you mean that today? Are you selfish or selfless with your possessions? Are you willing to help someone else with your possessions? Do your possessions rule you or do you rule your possessions? Does Jesus own everything you have? You know, one of the first tests of that believer is do you tithe? I don't know what anybody in this room or anywhere in my ministry. I don't know what anybody gives. Don't want to know. So I can ask you that question honestly. Do you tithe? If you do not, then you're telling the Lord it belongs to me and not to you. So you need to make a decision. Does it really belong to him? Are you acknowledging him as your Lord, saying, Lord, you own everything I have. This is what I am to return back to you that you might use it in ministry and in upbuilding the kingdom of God on this earth. 
He really doesn't need our money. But he wants our faithfulness. He wants us to make him our Lord. And that's part of it in our material world. Is he our Lord? Fourthly, when you say Jesus is Lord, here's the fourth thing you declare. Lord, you are my guardian. You are my protector. Thank you, Lord. It tells me in John chapter 10 that you hold me in the palm of your hand. Thank you. It tells me in Psalm 121 that you never slumber and you never sleep because you're watching over me every single moment of the day and night. You are my guardian. You are my protector because you are my Lord. And I'm never out of your sight. I'm never out of your guarding protection. Isn't that wonderful news? When we call him our Lord, we're always in his eyes. We're always under his protection. And fifthly, when you say Jesus is Lord, the fifth thing you declare is this. You're Lord of heaven and earth. You know the expanse of the universe, even to the detail of when a sparrow falls, according to Matthew chapter 10. And so, Lord, I bow my head to the ground before you, and I am humbled in complete submission to you, my Lord, my God. I will worship you. I will minister in your name. I will follow your word. I will live your word. When Jesus is our Lord, we don't leaf through the Bible and choose the parts we like and discard the parts we don't. But rather, we live all of the word of God. We live it in our moral lives. We live it in our lives of worship. We live it in our lives of service. We live it in our lives of family. We live the word of God because he is our Lord. So this book should never be far from you. And this book should be open far more often than just on Sunday mornings because we want to live it, and if you live it, you've got to know it. Worship him. Minister for him. Know his word because he is the centerpiece and the center point of our entire life. Everything that we think and do should belong to him. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This morning, as we come before him, how many of us at this altar, perhaps the altar of our heart, can truly say, Lord, I want you to be my guardian. I want you to be my protector. I want everything I have to belong to you. I want my life to be following in the footsteps of Jesus. I want you to be the complete authority of my life. How many of us today will say, Lord, I rededicate my life to making you my Lord every single day. I will serve you. I will love you. And I will follow you because I want your will more than I want my own will. I want your word more than I want my own wisdom. I want your pathway and not my own. How many of us will say, Jesus, you are my Lord, and I will follow you faithfully every single day. I'm completely under your authority. I love you, my Lord. How many of us will publicly say, I love you, my Lord? And today, if you are listening, and he is not your Savior, and he's not your Lord, you might be right here in this sanctuary, you might be listening on stream today, 
wherever you are. If he's not your Savior, not your Lord today, he wants and he deserves that place in your heart. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave. He died to forgive us. The perfect Lamb of God dying for sinners, you and me included, praise God. He died for us that we might be forgiven. He took our place on the cross. But on the third day, he rose from the grave that we might not only be forgiven, but we might be promised eternal life. He wants that place in your heart to be your Savior and to be your Lord. And this minute, if you bow at his feet with all you are and all you have and say, Lord, I need forgiveness of sin. The Bible says that all of us sin and all of us fall short of the glory of God. And I am sorry for what I've done in creating this chasm of separation between you and me through my sin. I want to be yours. I want to live for you. I want you to be my Savior. I give myself to you completely forever. No longer do I want to live my way. I want to live your way for me because you live in my heart. And I want to, at the very baseline, tell you that I want you as my Savior and I want you as my Lord. And I will recognize and follow your authority in my life for the rest of my life as well as for all eternity. Today, if you've never received him as your Savior, will you come to him and say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord. I come to you now. If you're listening by stream, you can do that right in your own home, wherever you are, in your car, wherever it might be. You can give your heart to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And truly, he becomes your Savior like this. The moment you invite him into your heart, the moment you ask forgiveness, he becomes your Savior. Your eternal Savior that will never disappear, will never divorce you, will always be there for you. He becomes your Savior in a millisecond when you ask him into your heart. But the rest of your life, you're making him your Lord. You're inviting him to be in complete authority of all you do. Be my Savior and be my Lord. I give myself to you completely. If you've never come to him, come today. Come, if you're here, come here today. Make it public. Online, you come in the way that the Lord will recognize you as you bow before him today. Brothers and sisters, will we, in our journey as believers, say, Lord, today I rededicate my life day by day, making you my Lord in complete control and authority of my life. All of me belongs to you. Church home, whatever you need, our Lord meets us here. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, thank you for these precious moments in your house. Lord, thank you for King Jesus kids singing today and the choir's music and the prayers and the fellowship and the time before the service and the time that we will be leaving, the fellowship that we have. But in a very serious moment right now, Lord, at your altar, I pray that we will truly seek out how we serve you as our Savior and our Lord. I've thought about this message all week long of how I need to continue making you the Lord of my life, giving you complete authority and control in every single area of my life. I'm growing there, Father. I'm not there yet in 100% laying down everything to you. Help me, Father, day by day to more and more make Jesus my Lord. Bless us in these moments. I pray for my brothers and sisters in faith that we too, all of us, will recommit our lives to making you our Lord.
And I pray for that one who is here or one who is online with us today who needs Jesus as Savior. Today, may he or she come and ask you into their hearts and to ask you to be their Lord. Bless us in these precious moments, church home, a need, whatever it is. Bless us in these precious moments of decision, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.